0: You know, Vision Sunday is not about us proclaiming what will happen this year. Vision Sunday is really us humbly and praying for God to be our vision, for us to look to God and say, Lord, we have these thoughts, we have these desires, we have these goals, but really, ultimately, we want you to go before us and go with us in this journey. We don't want to get ahead of you and we don't want to lag behind you, we just want to go with you in this journey. And so, even as we think of that, as we look at today's scripture, we're going to see a little vision, a little glimpse of what Jesus was seeing, because what we're going to see here is the, the calling of these 12 men. You see, we are a byproduct here today. We're this church body, this, this corporate gathering of believers that really started with something really small way back when. And, and Jesus could, could look through the portals of time, and, and, and he could know all these things, but those guys way back then, they, they didn't realize that. They didn't see that. They're like, where, where are we going? What's going on? And even here today, you might be like, Pastor Hack, where are we going? What's going on? And while I want to be able to maybe cast some vision at the end of our time, ultimately, I, I, just, I just want us to, to get a vision of what God wants us to, to be. Amen. And we're gonna see a little glimpse of that today. If you remember from last week, uh, as we journey through Mark, We heard Mike preach on Jesus being Lord of the Sabbath. And one thing that we discovered is Jesus is the one who actually gives the rest. And that's where rest is found. But what's really unique and strange, he talks about that. And then we we look further into the pages of scripture. We see Jesus, he doesn't get a whole lot of rest. Because everyone is tugging at his time and attention. Give me, give me, give me. And, And we're just gonna see How his life, how his schedule, how his plans are bombarded. And yet through it all, he's just going to press on with his mission. He's going to continue on, continue on doing what God wants him to do. And so one of the things that we're going to be considering today is faithfulness. What we're going to see is Christ being faithful to his Father, faithful to his call. And despite all of the distractions that are going on, he's just going to stay committed. Although this happens, I'm going to stay committed. Although this happens, I'm going to stay committed. And as I think of 2024, hopefully that would be true of us, of me and you, that that come what may, no matter what happens this year, I just want to be faithful to you, Lord. I want to be faithful to be obedient to you. I'm faithful to to your call. This can happen, this can happen, and it doesn't deter where I'm going in the course of my life of just following you. And so, having said all of those things, we're going to be Thinking about faithfulness, persevering, pressing on, regardless of all the pressures. Follow along with me in verse seven through 21. Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea of, to the sea, and a large crowd followed from Galilee. And a large crowd followed from Judea, Jerusalem, Idanium, beyond the Jordan, and around Tyra, and Sidon. The large crowd came to him because they heard about everything he was doing. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so that the crowd wouldn't crush him since he had healed many all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him whenever the unclean spirit saw him they fell down before him and cried you are the son of god and he would strongly warn them not to make him known jesus went up the mountain And summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve. To Simon he gathered the name Peter, and to James the son of Zebedee, and to his brother John he gave the name Boerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James, and the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Third scene, Jesus entered a house, and the crowd gathered again so that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him because they said, He is out of his mind let's pray father indeed jesus was out of his mind he was out of his mind on a mission for you he would not be deterred from that although many tried to friends family even the 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 fans of people he was committed to you and your calling and your cause and lord as he looked out on those 12 he, he saw great potential and he knew that you could do great things And so, Father, today, even as we contemplate this, I pray that we realize the message, the call, the mission, it hasn't changed. It remains the same. And so regardless of what happens this year, may we just be faithful. May we be committed to you. But we so need your help to do that. We need your guidance. We need your grace. And we even need it this hour. So meet with us. Free our minds from distractions. May we be in tune to your word and allow your spirit to work in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So last night I was watching a 49ers-Packers game. And I was reminded of the great coach, Vince Lombardi, who won the first two Super Bowls. And he's known for many quotes. And this is two that he said, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get up. He also said, football is like life. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect for authority. And you know, as you think about those things, those things can be said of the Christian life. Uh, It's not a matter of if we get knocked down, if we have problems, if we have troubles, if we have trials. It's a matter of when. The book of James speaks of this. And so if we just cruise through life thinking all is well and we won't find things and nothing will pull us off track, we are vastly mistaken And so we need to be aware of these things, and despite what happens in our life, God still calls us to just faithfully follow him. The problem is, we live in a fallen world that just pulls at us, just like it pulled at the time and attention of Jesus. The title of today's message is very simple. Faithful Ministry in a Fallen World. Faithful Ministry in a Fallen World. You see, if we persistently pursue Christ, Then we will persevere, regardless of all the problems we face, by his grace and for his glory. Here's the big idea I want us to to grasp this morning. Jesus is committed to his call and calls us to be committed to him. We're going to see that all throughout the Gospel of Mark, he is committed to this mission mindset, this mentality of, establishing his kingdom and he is going to the cross and this is his mission, this is his calling and nothing will stop him from this. And he's inviting people into this. He's calling people to this. To the same level of commitment just to follow him. And so, as we think of disciples, discipleship, I want us to contemplate this. True disciples of Christ, true followers of Christ, simply seek to follow faithfully. Day in, day out. And so the, the, the first aspect or the first scene that we're going to see here is just of Christ's faithfulness is the commitment as the leader. Christ is the leader that we're seeking to faithfully follow, not the whims and ways of man within this fallen world. We, we are to call, we're called to follow Jesus. You know, in verses 7 and 8, uh, the religious leaders, they, as we've seen, they're just trying to get rid of Jesus. And yet everyone else is trying to get close to Jesus. But here's what we see. They aren't looking to serve and follow Jesus. They're looking at what they can get from Jesus. You know, if you're, if you're going to be a committed fo- follower of Christ, you ought not go to him for all the things that you can get. But you ought to say, oh, I've been given so much, and I want to give my life to serving you and to following you and to being faithful in that. Um... And so as we look at this passage, but then many other passages beyond this in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see genuine followers, genuine, committed followers, and these just gathering of fans, people that are there for the show, maybe there for a little miracle, there for a little healing, but they're not there to be true, committed followers. Many people gathered for the physical healing, not realizing the spiritual reason why Jesus came, and so while many people are gathering for these spiritual healings, he's going to say, well, this could be an obstacle, all of these people tugging at my time and attention, or this can actually be an opportunity. And that's where he's going to say, you know what? I-, I, need to, I need to get a platform where I can press. I know these people are pressing into me. I need to actually push away, press away from them. And this is a great amphitheater here, the backdrop of this hill and this valley. And You disciples, you go get me a boat. <laughs> We're going to launch out. Because my mission is not to heal people of sickness. That's not why I came. I can do that, but that's not why I came. My mission is to speak to the spiritual need of man. And so he's going to step out on that boat, and he's going to preach and proclaim who he is and what he offers. That's what he's going to do, faithfully, regardless of everything else going on. That's what he's going to do. And it says there that they departed, that that they withdrew, just trying to press away from the crowds. You know, in the craziness of life, you and I, we may need to do that as well. There's going to be many things that tug at your time and attention this year. Good things, not bad things. It could be work. It's a good thing. It could be your family. It's a good thing. It could be just friends and family and other things here and there. Those are all good things. They're not bad things. But sometimes, not bad things can prevent us from the best thing, of just pursuing and faithfully following Jesus. I mean, how oftentimes do I meet with someone and say, Man, what is God teaching you from your word? And they'll say, I haven't been in his word. Well, why not? I've just been so busy. And I get being busy. There's probably no one busier than the man Jesus Christ. And oftentimes he just withdrew. He just withdrew to be with his father. He realized that was so important. And although, although there's these things tugging at his time and attention, he was just committed to this call of fulfilling his mission and living on mission. Listen, in a fallen world, there's going to be so many things that tug at all of these things. I mean, there's this large crowd there, and what's so beautiful, he describes seven different locations. Some to the north, some to the south, some to the east, and some to the west. To the south, some of the locations he's talking about is 150 miles. To the north of Galilee is 50 miles. People are coming from far and wide to see Jesus. Jesus. And he just sees this wonderful opportunity here. It's crazy, it's a little out of control, and yet I see this opportunity to proclaim Jesus. I'll proclaim who I am. And it's a beautiful picture of probably what Jesus envisioned of the eternal kingdom in which he was bringing to earth. People from all people groups, both Jew and Gentile. Isaiah speaks about this Messiah who would be coming. Not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. And some of the regions that Mark is mentioning here, many of them Jewish, but many of them also Gentiles. Remember how a few weeks ago we talked about how Jesus is bringing something new? Jesus is bringing something new here. You see, the the Jewish leaders weren't doing this. They weren't having any fellowship or interaction or preaching or teaching to the Gentiles. But Jesus is. Jesus is breaking down all those religious rules and rituals of the Old Testament. He says, out with the old, in with the new. And he's bringing something new even in this passage here today. When we consider verses nine and 10, I mean, we're gonna see that Jesus' fame created this overwhelming, overbearing crowd. But it actually created wonderful opportunities for him to embrace, even though there were obstacles to overcome. My friends, I don't know what obstacles you might face this year, individually or corporately, collectively as a church. But I do know this, with each obstacle that we see as an obstacle is really an opportunity for God's grace to work and intervene in my life and your life for the glory of God. We need to take on this mentality, this, this mindset, rather than saying, well, I tried serving God and all this bad stuff happened, so I'm just gonna throw in the towel, no. Let this be a time for God's grace to shine brightly within you and through you. Jesus has a two-part game plan here. We see it right there. He's like, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to not get crushed by this crowd. So then I need you to get me a boat so that we can launch out. When it talks about them pressing into him, it's talking about them actually mobbing him. I mean, almost think like paparazzi with some famous king or queen. They're just all over him. That's what's going on here. They're just wanting to touch the hem of his garment, right? And they're just bombarded at every angle. They're just crushing him, pressing down on him. But here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to adapt. He's going to adjust. He's going to make the best of this situation. And so, I don't know if you ever feel this way, parents. You ever feel like your kids are just wanting to get something out of you? They're just tugging at all of your time and all of your attention. Me, 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 okay? What about you, worker? Your boss ever just saying, I need this, I need this, I need this? They're just so demanding, so oppressing. And you just feel like they're—they're. They're kind of, my kids are kind of using and abusing me. They don't appreciate me. My boss is just using and abusing me. He doesn't appreciate me. Rah! It's hard to pick up on the tone of Jesus here. But here's what we really don't see. We don't see Jesus complaining. We don't see, I mean, all these people are here basically using him for the, the free miracles. He's gonna say, you know what, regardless of why they're here, regardless of their motives, I'm gonna use this as a means to proclaim who I am. And so parent, regardless of your kid's motives, worker, regardless of your boss's motives, how much they use and abuse you, appreciate you, or underappreciate you, you can say, you know what, I'm still gonna live on mission. I'm gonna seek to please Christ in all I say and do because then that will impact your parenting. That will impact the way that you work and interact with your coworkers and boss. Because it's not about them, it's all about him. And we need to realize this, we need to embrace this. And Jesus, that's a wonderful example as the leader for these men to follow. In verse 12, verse 11 and 12, uh, we're going to see some unwelcome people within the crowd. See, there's, there's these group of people that I want to see him, and then there's this unwelcome group, these demons, these evil spirits that are pressing not toward him, but are actually bowing down before him and saying, uh, this is the scriptures there, says that he fell down before him and they're declaring, you are the son of God. You know what's so interesting? Throughout the whole gospel of Mark, in chapter one, God the Father says, declares, this is my son. There's a couple different places where evil spirits and demons recognize him as the son of God. And then in Mark chapter 15, not a Jew, but a Roman soldier after the crucifixion says, truly, this was the Son of God. The people that should have recognized Jesus as the Son of God did not. And as we look beyond the gospel of Mark, what is Jesus declaring us to do? There was a time for this message to be silenced. Not yet. It's going to be known. It's not yet. It's soon to be known. After his ascension, he says, Disciples, apostles, go, and let it be known, Jesus, the Son of God, his life, death, burial, and resurrection, that is the good news, go! But not yet. And Jesus, right here, he's going to prove his authority, his sovereignty over anything. He's been showing it publicly before this, to this group, and this group, and this group, and now, once again, he's able to silence those that can't be silenced by anyone else this is the authority that jesus carries and these disciples are seeing this you are the son of god you know in a fallen world everyone overlooks the true identity of jesus so we we have to be the representative of jesus as disciples of christ we have to display christ how else will they know if if our lives are just full of hypocrisy And so as Jesus is going to be pouring into these 12 and others, he's wanting them to say, you need to be full of me and empty of you. I want you to display the the Son of God. That's what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to be a a genuine follower of Christ. And so as we are going to transition into our next uh, point, I want us to consider this. Your plans may change, but God's purpose doesn't. This year, your plans may change. But God's purpose doesn't. So adapt adjust just as needed. We see Christ doing this. We also see when, when pressures arise, persevere. I mean, Jesus could have said, just get me in a boat and get me away from these people. No, 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 no. My mission is still the same. Proclaim, proclaim, proclaim. He might need to pause. He might need to pivot. And yet he is committed to this purpose to proclaim who he is. To know him and make him known. That, that's what Jesus wants to do. And that's what we are called to do. Number The second scene I want us to see is in verses 13 through 19. It's the call of his discipleship team. The call of his discipleship team. You know, we're going to see first these 12 individuals in verse 19, but this group is going to grow. So there's this unique group of apostles that we're going to talk about, but then the disciples as a whole are going to grow. These apostles are disciples. They were disciples before they became apostles, and even though they are getting this title, they're still disciples of Jesus. But here's what we need to understand about being a disciple of Jesus. Part of being a disciple of Jesus is following him, but it's having fellowship with him. It's this understanding who he is, but enjoying who he is. And so a disciple is this, a student, a learner. You probably already know this, but the learning is active and it's ongoing, So you and I, none of us have arrived as disciples of Christ. We are continuing to grow and be disciples of Christ. And so this year, hopefully this year, one of the things that we're we're, we're seeking to do is to grow in our walk and relationship with him, but grow in our walk and relationship with others, where we are uh, learning and growing and being encouraged and equipped by others, and then we're turning around doing the same with others. That's Jesus' plan. That's Jesus' design. That's what he's wanting to do here. And he's setting this roadmap, this pathway for them to follow, for us to follow. It says there in verse 13 that they went up to a mountain. Mark uses mountaintop experiences many times. And it's really these these momentum occasions of God revealing something new, something unique, something special, which would also then tie back to Old Testament with with Moses on Mount Sinai in, in Exodus 19 and 20. What is going on here? Remember, Jesus is bringing something new. So you had this old thing, this old thing. Jesus is bringing something new. So they're going up to this mountain to reveal this new thing. I have this new message, this new title. Remember, there's these 12 tri- tribes of Israel, right? Out with the old, and with the new. So he's establishing these, these 12 new leaders that he's going to pour into, and then they're going to go and pour into others. That's what's going on here. Jesus is establishing this new thing. This is why we work verse by verse because we're seeing all these things being tied together here and it says there it doesn't say that jesus just called them it says that he summoned those who he wanted if you've ever been summoned to court you know it's not, not like this optional thing maybe i will maybe i won't no jesus is saying i'm calling you to something special i'm summoning you up to the mountain it doesn't say ah half went half stayed no they all went they all followed they, they realize this leader is worth following. There, there's something here that's uniquely different about all these other ones. You know what's also uniquely different here? Jesus establishing a new way. Here's what would happen in the old way of calling disciples. So the rabbis would not call their disciples. It would be those people saying, almost like a college church, ah, I like this one, I like this one, I don't like this one, I'm gonna apply here, I'm gonna go here. Rabbis did not call Disciples. But Jesus is, is a uniquely different rabbi who is saying, I call you, I summons you, I summons you, I summons you. Come, learn of me. He's so different than everyone else. And he's just putting the world on notice. That way is gone, this new way. Follow me, follow me, follow me. So he calls them. And that is what it is to be a disciple of Christ. The goal is Christ. He is the end. It's all these things you see in Christ. In the gospel, this is where we find our identity, our value, our worth. But when we consider verses 14 and 15, here's what we're gonna see. That he appointed. It's the work of God. He made the 12. He brings them into existence. And you know what's interesting? In Mark, or in Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, where it says that, that he did these things, it's the same verb phrase. Jesus is calling them and making them into what they need to be. God doesn't call you and me to just pull up our bootstraps and just magically conform to be a disciple of his. He is going to do this great work in you. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those who he calls. This wasn't like the first round draft pick of people. Like when you look and examine these people, you're like, who is he calling and why is he calling them? I mean, the the religious elites would have been looking at this group of 12 and saying, this is a Motley crew. This is a ragtag band of brothers, dysfunctional brothers at best. I mean, we got these hot-headed fishermen. We got this crooked old tax collector, Matthew Levi. We got this zealot that is like just going rogue wherever, whenever to Rome and their oppression down with Rome. And like who knows the, the background of skeletons in the closets of this guy. But you see, Jesus wasn't calling them because they were equipped. He was calling them because he would do the equipping. It would be his words that would change and transform them. So God doesn't call you and me and God doesn't call others to you get your life to order and then you come to me. He says, you come to me how you are. I'm going to love you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to do great things in and through you. Not because you're great, but because I'm great. Because my grace is good enough. Regardless of your greater sin, just like we sang about, his mercy is more. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's wanting us to embrace. Ah, I love this. And he, he appoints them as apostles. He gives them this name. You know, Genesis 2.19 is talking about the naming of the animals, going back to early once again. But in the biblical world, the right to name or belonging is a means of superiority, one who has authority, the maker, the master, and that's what he's wanting. I'm the one who makes you an apostle. I'm the one who equips you. I'm the one who does all of these things for you, and it's this twofold purpose. I want you to be with me. I want you to come to know me. It's this relational aspect but then I want you to be sent out from me. I'm going to go with you. My my spirit's going to go with you, but I'm calling you in, equipping you to send you out. That's my vision for you. And he's going over all of this on the mountaintop experience here to be with him, this relational aspect. I'm going to pour into you. You would be filled with me and my words and my spirit so that you would then be able to be poured into others and used. I'm going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm calling you, I'm equipping you, and then I'm going to be sending you out. That's what we're seeing here. To be sent out is this specific purpose. You see, God doesn't save a person. God doesn't make you this new creation so that you would just sit like a bump on a log. No, God calls you to be actively engaged in this life. What about you? Don't answer this out loud. Are you actively engaged in this life? Are you, are you, are you doing and pursuing and actively living out This faithful life committed to Christ in every and all aspects? Or are you just a fan? Are you just a spectator? Or are you saying, Jesus, I wanna follow you, I wanna please you, I wanna wanna be faithful to you, and all that I say, all that I do? There's a difference. And Jesus is wanting to make that distinctive known. And He is making that known here in this text. You know what's interesting, though? When we think of apostles, we almost want to think of them as super spiritual. As you follow them the next three years, you're going to find they're not super spiritual. You're going to find actually there's really nothing super special about them at all. What we're going to find is they're actually kind of ordinary. Maybe some of you are really special. Maybe. <laughs> but maybe you're just ordinary. And you say, yeah, that's me, that's these guys. But these ordinary, average, everyday Joes would be used of God in extraordinary ways. These would be ones that would go out and do great things by God's grace, proclaiming God's message, the gospel. It wasn't them. This is really good news for me and you because I look at myself and be like, I'm not like that guy, I'm not like that guy, I'm not like, there's actually nothing really special about me. And you might say, yeah, yeah, amen. There is nothing special about you. And I might say the same to you, but here's what we know. God in his goodness, God in his grace says, come, I'm calling you to me. I'm gonna equip you. I'm gonna send you out. But I don't send you out by yourself. I'm gonna send you out in team. So I'm getting ahead of myself. but My grace is gonna go with you. My grace is gonna be sufficient in your times of weakness. Oh, this is so good for us. And so we see this happening but as we progress through those, those names there, we don't really learn a whole lot else about them. But in Romans chapter 16, verses one through 16, it, it really talks about this groups of people that are just silent, nameless people that just faithfully serve the Lord. That's this group of men here. But you know what? Um, we see Peter at the beginning, and then at the very end of that list of names, we see Judas Iscariot. And we're reminded, even though someone can walk with Jesus for three years, they can still do some pretty bad, sinful things. Because here's, here's what some Christians want to do. Eh, I don't need the church, I don't care about the church, I don't want the church, the church is full of sinners and all sorts of, you fill in the blank, and that is True. And that was true of this early church of believers as well. Some messed up individuals. And yet, in light of that, in spite of that, God's message, God's purpose would still go on. And none of those things would deter Jesus going to the cross. In fact, it was all part of his sufficient plan. And so listen, people. Hopefully this year, you're living in victory. And yet, if you do struggle and you do fall into some sin god's grace his mercy is more we can repent of these things we can be restored and we continue to serve and rejoice in god and his goodness let us not lose sight of this i already mentioned that god doesn't call the equipped he equips those he calls but secondly i would say this we need to seek to be equipped while also seeking to equip others Seek to be equipped so we can also equip others. You see, Jesus was starting this intense apprenticeship program. He's like, I want to pour into you. I want to be your teacher and master. and I want you to be my student, but I don't want you just to be a a spiritual sponge where you take it all, hold it, and hoard it to yourself. There's coming a day as I equip you that I'm going to launch you out. He's setting this blueprint for you and I to follow today. That we would come to know Christ individually, personally, deeply, richly, but not just to keep it for ourselves, but that we would dole it out. That we would know Christ and make him known. This is what he's calling us to. He's got this new team, this new mission that he's establishing here. This is super exciting, right? I mean, no doubt everyone's going to rejoice in this. I mean, I know we live in a broken, fallen world, but I mean, he's put it together this new team and new mission and like he's doing all these miracles and oh no doubt everyone is just high-fiving Jesus they come down tr- from the mountain and it's like a celebration right uh wrong because we live in a fallen world a world where people have misunderstood who Jesus is the message he proclaims and so the third thing we're going to look at here is the critics who oppose his mission the critics who oppose his mission, verses 20 and 21. There's some skeptics here. So there's not, it's, it's, just, it's just crazy to think about that his family, his friends, would have this betrayal, this grievous misunderstanding about who Jesus is. It says they, they return to the house, probably Peter's house there in Capernaum, but once again they're met with a crowd not even able to eat. And then there's these outrageous claims where it says family, and they say this, he is out of his mind. Can you imagine? Think of what he's been doing and why he came. And they would come to this conclusion he is out of his mind. It says there that they set to restrain him, that is to seize him, to bind him, to deprave him of his freedom. It's, it's the terminology used for a criminal. Heard what's going on with this Jesus. We, we just need to get a hold of him and straighten him out. I mean, he's gone a little crazy. He's, he's become a religious fanatic. Why is he saying these things? Why is he doing these things? We, we'll straighten him out. I mean, we love Jesus. We're for Jesus. And that very well may be true. They may have the best of intentions in mind. Friend, if you get serious about following Jesus, do not be surprised if your friend's And family, maybe in the early days, are like supportive. Ah, that's cute. You and Jesus. That's awesome. But when you say, no, I'm committed to going to church on Sunday. And I'm committed to this community group and and being a devoted ministry partner. And and, and I'm devoted to just knowing Jesus and making him known. When you start living that way, they're going, whoa. We should go out to coffee sometime. And we should just, like, catch up. Because I think you're just going a little too far. Like, that's what's going on here. Can you imagine... Family and friends, that, that where you see family, it's this phrase that those, those of him, so it, it's not just family, but close associates, kin, followers, friends, family, it's, it's all of these things is the terminology there. So it's not just like one person, but it's multiple fronts, like wanting to seize up Jesus and say, we want to straighten you out, Jesus. We think you're a little off base. You're taking this calling, this mission thing a little too far. No, he's not. So what's he going to do? Oh, you're right. You're right. I've, I have taken it too far. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. No, no, no. I, I appreciate your care and concern for me, but I have a greater calling in life. I'm committed to God the Father, and these 12, I'm really committed to pouring into them because they're going to go on and do great things for me. And so there's, we're going to see later on when he's teaching these ones, and his brother and mother come to the door. Who is my brother and mother? Those who are right here among me. You see, he had this great higher, didn't, he loved his family, but he had this great priority on this spiritual family, those who are part of the eternal family, and we need to grow in this understanding and appreciation of this as well. Jesus would remain faithful to his call, to his mission, and he, you know what he was doing? He was calling his disciples to count the cost. He's calling you and me to something greater, something higher. He's wanting us to be a part of not only his kingdom, but be a part of the kingdom building process. That's why we're doing church plants and we're seeking to proclaim this gospel because it's not about me and it's not about you, it's about him. And seeing the glory of God spread through the gospel of God. This is what we need to tap into. The final two things, if you're taking notes, I wanted to just not jot this down. Understand that you'll be misunderstood. You're going to have people that oppose you when you get serious about following Jesus. Understand that you will be misunderstood. They're not always going to support you, and that's okay. It's okay if, if they're against you at times. You stay committed and faithful to the call. And then I just want you to remind yourself of this. This is good to preach to ourselves. The Lord is faithful to you, and so by God's grace, be faithful to him this year. You see, the gospel brings you into this spiritual family. He's calling them in. But then he sends you out as a spiritual force. That is the church, the body. Okay, so you're not in it alone. And he's wanting his disciples and apostles to know and to grow in this understanding so they go forth. You know, I look out here, probably a lot of Christians, I know a lot of you and your testimony. But maybe you'd say, you know, not so fast. I'm a little skeptical about this. I just want to close with this, this thought. My friends, I don't know you. I don't know your problems. I don't know your sin. I don't know your struggles. I don't know your situation. But I, I've come to know Christ. and Christ is committed to this mission. He's committed to this call. And here's what he would do. He would overcome Satan, overcome sin, and enable you to overcome all of these things as well. And he calls you to come to know him so that you could be equipped by him and then serve him for a greater purpose and mission. The grace of God is not too far gone from any of you. So he says, come, I call you, I summons you, come, be part of this, get in on this. So if you're an outsider, today you can go from an outsider to an insider to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ.